SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Exactly five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the Market Update this evening. First up, the business news. Chief Executive of the National Credit Regulator, Nomsa Mochekhare, said the Credit Bureau statistics for the quarter ended March indicated a concerning increase in the levels of impairment. A total of 189,000 consumers were added to the 9.34 million already had impaired records, bringing the total to 9.53 million. This is an increase of 1.1% year-on-year and means that 47.5% of all credit active consumers had impaired records. The number of impaired accounts increased by 790,000 in the quarter. This brings the total number of impaired accounts to 18.3 million out of a total of 70.7 million. An individual may obviously have multiple accounts. Standard Bank has announced it would lay off 148 people in its IT operations to reduce duplication of roles. The spokesman said the bank had undertaken a thorough review of its operations, which had revealed areas of inefficiencies and duplication. Standard Bank employs 4,000 IT professionals. Last year, it said it would cut around 900 jobs in corporate and investment banking in London. Unemployment in South Africa's non-agricultural sector edged up 0.1% or 7,000 people to 8.463 million between January and March, although the key mining and manufacturing sectors shed jobs, status A said today. Turning to the markets, the JSE's also index ending up 1.7% at 41,003 points. U.S. markets higher this evening. The rand is at 998 against the U.S. dollar, 1556 to the pound, 1337 to the euro. Gold is at 1,364 dollars an ounce. Platinum at 1,433, and a barrel of Brent is at 105 dollars. SAFM market update with MoneyWeb. Seven minutes after six o'clock for IG being the best CFD provider means finding new ways to help even the most experienced trader find an edge. That's why they've developed an innovative, easy to use and above all stable online trading platform that operates at lightning speed 24 hours a day. No wonder they're a natural choice for over 140,000 traders worldwide. Take a closer look at what they can do for you by going to igmarkets.co.za. IG South Africa is an authorized financial services provider. Losses can exceed your initial deposit. David Shapiro of Sassfin with us. David, market up nicely today, back above 41,000. What a massive day. And I think we're playing a bit of catch-up. But I think what surprised us was the turnaround um, that we've seen in global markets, uh, particularly against the worries that uh, Bernanke is going to uh, taper his uh, you know, stimulus measures. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he's talking tomorrow. The meeting starts today. The Federal Open Market Committee meeting mm-hmm. starts. And we'll hear from him tomorrow. In the meantime, markets are picking up. I think also, Hilton, it's quite important. If you looked at uh, on Friday, the IMF came up with their... Um, analysis on the U.S. economy, and they were quite downbeat, blaming Congress's uh, uh, tax rises and also their budget cuts um, as being kind of um, ill, ill-advised or uh, a, a little too heavy. And I think um, they also said that it's far too early for Bernanke to um, start tapering back. So I think markets have got comfort from that, and uh, we had a big bounce. Um, I, I've, I've got to add one thing because um, Bernanke, sorry, President Obama was uh, interviewed by Charlie Rose last mm. night, and during that, he did say that Bernanke had um, stayed longer than he had wished for. You know, that's Bernanke himself. And I thought against that news or hints that Bernanke will not stand for a third term. And it's quite obvious that I thought markets would be very uncertain we'd come under pressure. Not so. 
So uh, at least they, uh, you know, either they, they don't believe it's going to happen or alternatively they feel that there's, uh, you know, very decent successors who will continue with these policies. But that I thought, and I was a bit nervous when I heard that this morning or when we picked up on that, but markets just carry on. Janet Yellen is, is among mm. those uh, mm. speculated as being a potential uh, successor yeah. to, to Ben Bernanke. And she's very dovish. In mm. other words, she will continue with his... Uh, you know his policy of making sure that the America is in a in a position, um, sustainable position, before they even think of uh, withdrawing these measures. David, uh, fifty-two week highs. We're seeing Nasdaq seven hundred and fifty-eight yep. rand a share. ACI over one hundred and twelve. Yep. Massive increases there. You know, if you, if you look at NASPERS, and I think one, to get a hint of it, you have to look and see what e-tailing is going to do in mm. China. You know, I think already this year they will exceed America in terms of uh, using the Internet to buy things. And that's going to continue. So um, I, I think investors picking up on, on this trend. And the whole shift towards, uh, you know, towards mobile, towards Internet. So I, to me it's... You know, it's not time to get rid of them yet, despite the fact that they might look heady. We saw a cautionary announcement out from a pharmaceutical company mm. Aspen. It's buying a thrombosis drugs as well as a production site in France from GlaxoSmithKline. This is not a small deal. No. These drugs uh, generated £420 million in revenue last year. That's six and a half billion rand. Yeah, for us, for Aspen, it's probably a big deal. For Glaxo, it's probably a small mm, deal. Mm. And what Glaxo have been doing is all, I don't know whether it's non-core. They they're holding on to it in, in India, uh, Pakistan, and China. So those bigger markets, they must have a, a facility there that manufactures. I don't know. You know, uh, There wasn't too much detail in it. But that's what that's what uh, Aspen's doing, picking up all these um, drugs, mature, non-core. Well, yeah, and 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 you know, um, doing well out of them. So I don't know what Glaxo, because Glaxo normally does a, I don't think it does a cash deal. It either does a share swap mm. deal or something along those kind of lines and that. But market liked it and picked up. You know, Aspen had come back quite a lot, and now seems to have found a base and is moving ahead again. It was around the 190 level where it did find that base, uh, just mm. below 190, ending the day today up 4% at 193.25. How's uh, the, the, this move, David? Coronation, mm. it now owns 10% of Fashini. Mm. Uh, last Thursday, it told the market that uh, it owned 5% of Fashini. These are not small numbers. This no. is 2.2 billion <laughs> rand, 2.5 billion <laughs> rand. It owns 5% of Nedbank. That's 4.3 billion rand. I think they've, you know... We saw last week as well, we saw Alan Gray take a big stake in CAP. Mm. And um, I think large institutions who are running multi-billion portfolios have to make those kind of deals. Um, they haven't got enough room to go in the South African market. They maxed overseas in 25%. So I think you're going to find where they like a company, they're going to like it a lot more than they did. In these are, these are market-moving yeah, moves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hilton, I like. I, I've been looked. I looked at retailers today. In fact, I started to push money in. There. I think it looks like the correction might have been done. Um, bases are being formed. Uh, you got. You got to commend them on what they've done, and they're buying the ones that they feel. It's not a. It's not a high PE. I think they're buying it at ten, eleven PE. It's not demanding. Nice dividend yield. 
and a very well-run company. So you, you can see the merit in what they're doing. Finally, a, a global distribution deal uh, by SAB Miller with mm-hmm. Copperberg, the <laughs> Swedish cider maker, a distribution <laughs> agreement for all countries where it doesn't already have a presence. Yeah. That obviously excludes the UK, yeah. where you can get Copperberg in almost every mm. every pub. Cider. And every, <laughs> every offie in, Don't in, in London. Don't drink cider. That's one rule. Drink beer. Do not drink cider. Because it really, it really gets to your brain. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those drinks. Whew. I'm talking about the proper one that you put the glass in the barrel and drink. Boy, you're only tired once. <laughs> Thirteen and a half minutes after six o'clock. Today's top story is brought to you by IG South Africa. Visit igmarkets.co.za to open a trading account today. Well, a report today from investment bank Nomura International paints a bleak picture for South Africa's platinum industry. The bank's emerging market strategist Peter Altard Montalto says mines in the sector are at risk of losing 145,000 jobs over the next two years. Platinum miners in the country employ around 200,000 people at present. Earlier, my colleague Jeff Candy spoke with Montalto and asked him how he arrived at these numbers. I mean, what we look at is individual shaft by shaft, um, uh, employment levels, um, break-even cost levels um, that... uh, match up against where we see the platinum price going and we basically extract from that um, an assumption that shafts won't be run at a loss um, for any significant amount of time and in the short run we think there won't be any job losses because of government pressure before the election but in the long run basically we think that those um, job losses will come as a result of shafts being put on care and maintenance um, to prevent such such large losses. So um, that number basically comes out from adding up all those individual um, shaft by shaft um, cost um, versus uh, sort of price comparisons and that's where we get to the uh, 120,000 jobs at risk by 2015. We should remember of course that actually um, the uh, jobs at risk, of course, are not the same as jobs being laid off. Um, you know, this includes sort of management jobs as well and um, different um, levels of, of artisan and things like that. So it's a, uh, it's a broad number. It is perhaps a somewhat pessimistic number, but it shows the scale of the problem, I think, um, that, it, that is out there. But we, we aren't certainly calling that there are going to be that number of job losses, just that um, this is the scale of the problem that the industry needs to overcome in order to reach cost competitiveness. That's Peter Atard Montalto there from uh, Nomura. Now, we've obviously already heard from Anglo-American Platinum. Its original restructuring plan saw as many as 14,000 potential job losses and after negotiations with government, that was revised lower to 6,000. What of other companies in the sector? Well, we've already had news in the pipeline, of course, from people like Impala as well, that they are considering some forms of restructuring going on and job losses in a similar way to Amplats. But, of course, given the difficulty that Amplats got into with the government, um, there's other companies holding fire to see how things have turned out. It's actually, I think, very hard to track actually what um, the net impact of the um, the uh, Amplats restructuring is and where, where we are at at the moment. I mean, the broad assumption, I think, is very much that actually there are kind of zero um, net job losses for the foreseeable future for um, for Amplats and particularly till after the election um, that will occur hopefully around Easter next year. But I think we're going to come to a stage where, where companies have to act almost unilaterally um, in order to prevent making more substantial losses uh, as costs continue to rise. Um, and they may do so in consultation with the government, letting the government know, but I think such detailed 
plans, if you like, um, and, and coordination with the government, as we saw around AMPLATS, is going to be um, is going to be quite difficult. They just, I think, the companies realise the political sensitivity um, before the election. But we should remember a lot of the controversy around AMPLATS has actually stemmed from how they have supposedly dealt with um, with the uh, DMR. Um, the company saying, and my understanding is that actually they did. Um, offer consultations before their original announcement. The government saying that isn't true, um, but uh, it just shows again the level of PR and politics that are surrounding the issue. Peter Todd Montalto, the emerging market strategist at Nomura International, as he says, uh, definitely that 145,000 number on the uh, pessimistic end of projections. Now, one of the contrarians, rather, when it comes to platinum is John Bickard. He manages Investec Asset Management's value fund. 40% of that portfolio is invested in gold and platinum shares. Here's John's thoughts on platinum. Platinum, the shares are as cheap as they've ever been on price-to-book, and on price-to-replacement cost, for example, Anglo-Platinum is our biggest holding in the platinum sector. Market cap is about 70 or 80 billion rand. To rebuild Anglo-Platinum mines would cost probably between 150 and 200 billion rand. Mm. So you're buying these mines at 40% of replacement cost. And in value investing, in any kind of investing, if you're buying something at 40% of replacement cost, it's a very interesting proposition, unless, of course, the company is something like Kodak, where it's it's going to zero because it's a dinosaur company, which mm. we do not think is the case for platinum, because the world has to have platinum and it has to have South African platinum. You know, it's not substitutable in either way. So, platinum is a more classical supply demand. We see a deficit in platinum, palladium, and rhodium uh, starting this year and for the next three years. So, we expect, unlike a lot of other commodities like iron ore, which we expect to fall in the next three or four years, we expect the platinum price to be well supported in dollars. And a company with a weaker rant and the shares trading much the same as the gold shares at an all-time low, we find them very attractive too. John Bickard, their portfolio manager at Investec Asset Management. Two contrarian views, two very different views there. One, a very pessimistic one about uh, specifically jobs and the risk to jobs in the sector. 145,000 out of uh, 200,000 jobs potentially at risk in the country's platinum sector. That's the view from Peter Todd Montalto of Nomura. John Bickard, though, uh, thinks that platinum shares at these current levels offer great value. 19 minutes after 6 o'clock for IG being the best CFD provider means finding new ways to help even the most experienced trader find an edge. That's why they've developed an innovative, easy-to-use, and above-all stable online trading platform that operates at lightning speeds 24 hours a day. No wonder they're a natural choice for over 140,000 traders worldwide. Take a closer look at what they can do for you by going to igmarkets.co.za. IG South Africa is an authorized financial services provider. Losses can exceed your initial deposit. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, we've just heard from John Bickard of Investec Asset Management. In our Market Commentator Weekly podcast this week, I spoke to John, and that clip was from that interview uh, that we had towards the end of last week. His portfolio manager at Investec Asset Management, also manager of Investec's Value Fund. A transcript and audio is up on moneyweb.co.za, as well as on our MoneyWeb Talk and MoneyWeb Now apps. We spoke about where he sees markets at the moment. We spoke about foreigners holding our retail shares and still holding on despite some significant losses they've taken because of currency weakness. We spoke about Steinoff in a fair amount of detail. 
In this highlights uh, package, I asked him about the gap between expensive or overpriced shares on the JSE and cheap or undervalued shares. The gap in valuation is unprecedented, and what we're seeing at the moment is the beginning of the unwinding of this. Um, so even though the retailers have been poor performance the last six months and they've come back 20% in rands and you know, importantly, people must remember the shares have come back 20% in rands, but the rand has also weakened 20% against the dollar. So the foreign shareholders just lost 40% of their money mm. at a time when the U.S. stock market's been going up and the Japanese market's been going up where they've made 20%. So they are now seriously getting underwater in these positions and interestingly have still not sold anything. Um, you know, this, this cycle will play out and these shares ratings will return back to their mean. And in the longer term, will probably, like they did in 07 or 08, go the other side of, of what they should be and will trade cheap again. So even though the shares have come down, we wouldn't, we wouldn't think of buying them yet. And the same with industrial shares um, and the same to a less extent with banks. The only plus with banks is the bank's ratings never really have got up to a very high level. Obviously, their business model in a rising interest rate inflation, slowing consumer environment is, is not so great, but at least they're reasonably priced. Not to say they won't show some weakness in this environment. So it's a very extreme moment, we think, in the market, and we've been underperforming now for 20 months, which is the longest period of underperformance we've had in the 13 years that we've been running the value fund. And obviously, um, we think we're getting near to the bottom now because, you know, this the, the value process is, you know, investors who are getting close to... Uh, calling us idiots and ridiculing <laughs> the, the investment style that is, and that's always a classic sign that we're getting near the bottom. We've stuck to our position. We've done the work in terms of the valuations, and and we think eventually it, it will work, much much the same as it did in 07 or 08 and much the same it did in 2001. John, in terms of your offshore allocation, you are at the limits. Uh, and at, at current levels of the currency, uh, just over 10 to the dollar. If you could, would you would you increase your exposure offshore to, to even higher? We have the maximum offshore, mm. and we've had that for the last two and a half years, and that's worked well for the value fund because obviously the RAND has weakened. You know, we took the money offshore at 720 to the dollar, so it's 50% weaker nearly. And then initially the value shares we bought off, offshore did badly and fell, but in the last year those have made a nice recovery in dollars. So... The offshore part of the value fund is now as much as 35% of the value fund, which is a function of how badly our local shares have done and also how well our offshore shares have done in dollars and in rand. So we're at the full allocation. We're allowed to go over 25% in the short term you know, through market movement. And given that we still see the rand, the downside risk to the rand, and very importantly, given that the shares that we hold overseas, which are mainly in Japan and in Europe, Secondly, and the U.S. thirdly, the offshore shares we hold, which are value shares, are very cheap. Mm. Even against a, a world that might still continue to battle, these shares are, a lot of them are still 60 or 70% below their all-time high, even after they recovered. You know, these shares are still fundamentally cheap, and, and the currency is still working for us. We have no inclination to reduce our offshore holdings at all. And really... You know, the example we've used, a, short, a share we've got offshore is Tesco. In the last 10 years, ShopRite, 
outperformed Tesco by, I forget the number, it's like 20, 30 times. Mm. And just in the last year, suddenly Tesco's gone up in pounds and ShopRite's gone down in pounds. And that's starting to turn. Tesco trades on 10, 11 times earnings with a 4, 5% dividend yield. ShopRite still trades on 24 times earnings with a 1 or 2% 2% dividend yield now. We think that sh- that that turn has just started between the two. So we keep our full offshore holding, and um, we still think in rands we'll make good returns from here. John Bickard, their portfolio manager at Investec Asset Management. That full interview on MoneyWeb.co.za as well as on our apps MoneyWeb Talk and MoneyWeb Now. That's for iPhone, iPad, as well as Android and BlackBerry. Property Insights brought to you by Redefine Properties. Redefine. We're not landlords. We're people. Well, Sunlum's Sub-Saharan Africa real estate fund listing on the stock exchange of Mauritius last month. The fund was launched earlier this year and has uh, received uh, significant interest from investors. Thomas Riley is uh, CEO of Sunlum Properties. Thomas, to recap, this fund focusing on property but not property in South Africa. That's right, Hilton. Uh, the, the property fund is specifically mandated to look at uh, commercial assets, so office and, and retail assets in particular uh, north of our border and outside of the common monetary area, which includes South Africa and Namibia. So key areas of focus are really the, the major growth economies in the world at this stage, you know, the likes of Ghana, Nigeria, Tanzania, and, and so on. Have you been finding good quality assets in these markets? Uh, to be honest, you know, assets at this stage are, are relatively scarce, especially the, the quality assets. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of assets out there, but very few quality assets. So I think one of the, let's call it the almost first mover type advantages that, that our fund enjoys is the ability to acquire, you know, these uh, these select assets in, in the various countries. But, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, pipeline of, uh, of, of assets that are to be developed in, in the countries, and obviously, you know, we'll aim to participate in, in a lot of those transactions, but um, for now, you know, if, if one has a look at the supply of assets, as an example, uh, at last count, we had approximately 70 what we'd call regional shopping centers just in the greater Johannesburg area. And if you look at the rest of sub-Saharan Africa outside of the, the common monetary area, um, at last count, we, we had about 10. So, you know, if you look at the, the available um, supply of, of quality real estate it's comparatively very small but uh, the growth trajectory is in our opinion vastly different as well and strong competition for these assets as well you've got property funds local uh, listed property funds competing for these assets you've got private equity funds uh, you've got funds from Europe and, and developed markets competing alongside you well at, at this stage in terms of, of acquiring the assets you know we haven't we haven't really come up against too much competition I think you know there are quite a few people talking about entering the space in, in terms of, uh, you know, setting up funds to compete against the likes of ours. But in terms of, of real competition at this stage, you know, we haven't seen too much of it. So um, a lot of competition, I think, or, or at least competition that's picking up on the development front. So, if you you know, the likes of Actis, R&B Westport, you know, Stanlib uh, have introduced a development fund as well or in the process of, of bringing one to the market, so a lot of a lot of uh, institutions and and private equity firms focusing on the development angle of bringing you know real estate and new developments to the market, but very few focusing on the 
an income fund, you know, such as ourselves. So um, at this stage, in terms of acquiring quality assets, um, you know, we we haven't experienced too much competition. Thomas, this fund is targeted at institutions at present. Are there plans to to open this up to retail investors down the line? I think at this stage, you know, Hilton, we've uh, you know, we've we've restricted it to institutions. Um, you know, particularly, I mean, the minimum subscription size for the fund was uh, was five million dollars. So. Um, it obviously caters for that market. Um, mm. As the fund grows, I mean, as you mentioned, it was listed uh, recently. So, um, you know, I think as the fund grows and as trading the share develops over time, there's no doubt that the retail investor will will start to play a role in, in investing in uh, in the asset class. Thomas Riley is chief executive of Sunlum Properties. Property Insights was brought to you by Redefine Properties. Redefine. We're not landlords. We're people. Lift here. <laughs> Floor? Uh, six, please. There you go. Whoa, whoa, what's happening? Hmm? Oh, lift. Need a bit of work. I thought the building was falling down. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, they're stuck in the other lift. What? Yeah, yeah, you know, we send down food and stuff. Don't you think we should tell the landlord? <laughs> I am the landlord. <laughs> Need better space? More space? Less space? Call Redefine Properties. Redefine. We're not landlords. We're people. Well, just before we wrap up, it was a day where the JSE ended up 1.7%, 41,003 points on the all share. We saw strength across the board except for gold stocks. Gold stocks down 2% on the day. We saw the gold price under pressure, that down one and a third at the moment at 1,365. The rand is at 998 against the US dollar, 1557 against the pound. 1338 to the euro. U.S. markets in the green as the Fed meets uh, today and tomorrow. You'll hear from Fed Chair Ben Bernanke after the meeting uh, tomorrow evening. This has been the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Full transcripts online at www.moneyweb.co.za. We're back at 6 o'clock tomorrow, 6.30 now, and time for game plan.